probably did hate Mayo and we thought it was hate at the time because these guys are trying to take away our dreams. The Football Pod live Thursday, June 2nd in Castle Bar. Check out otbsports.com forward slash events and get your tickets now. OTB's The Hurling Pod with James Skettle and Paul Murphy. People of Galway, we love you! I don't want to leave the people of Warford down, you know, because they're my life, you know. People of Warford are my life, you know, and I, 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 love, I, love, I love my county, you know. We love Jumbaland! It's almost like they're afraid to kind of mm. go and hurl and just let themselves express themselves it's like as if they're nearly afraid to make a mistake and sometimes you have to make a mistake and just throw off that bit of nervousness and have a go yeah it's pure constipated hurling Welcome along to episode 15 of the Hurling Pod. We're here to look ahead to the Munster and Leinster Hurling Finals as well as the McDonough Cup decider this coming weekend. After Derry bridged a 24-year gap for Ulster football success last weekend, Clare will be looking to do the exact same when they face Limerick in Sunday's Munster decider at Semple Stadium. Antrim look to make it two Joe McDonough Cup titles in three years. They want to make a straight return to the Leinster Championship when they face off against the beaten finalists of the last two seasons, Kerry, in that decider at Croke Park on Saturday. That's followed by the Leinster final. Now, the last and Galway won the Leinster title was back in 2018 James Kehill was in goal for the Trisman and Paul Murphy was playing right cornerback for Kilkenny delighted to say they're both with me now how are you getting on lads? Great now Will very good how are you? Can we kick off talking about 2018 Paul because 2018 was the Leinster final that was played in Munster as I recall and a Connacht team won it it was one of those that probably <laughs> ends up in a quiz question it was Semple Stadium because of Taylor Swift wasn't it? Yeah if I remember correctly it was Taylor Swift who was playing in Crow Park so we got one chance to play a Leinster final and have a winner go home that evening but sure typical we drew it had to bring it down to Turles the following week and uh, yeah Taylor Swift played in Crow Park instead of Kilkenny and Galway instead so um, yeah probably one of those trick ones you nearly forget about it at this stage like I remember I played Galway and Turles but it's only when we trashed it out there as to why it came about um, yeah sure sure enough uh, the, the days we're in at the moment there was a concert that landed smack in the middle of it so yeah that's just, what, just, just how it worked out yeah glorious times for you guys Gal. you know off the back of the All-Ireland success the year before you have won the National Hurling League and then off he went to win the Leinster again in 2018 yeah I suppose it wasn't a bad way to, to follow up 17 but uh, I remember that Leinster final was kind of a what way did Jordan Lancaster decide before a constipated game? You know, it was very kind of <laughs> stop start. There was no real flow to it, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I got moved to Thurles, um, and there was a good atmosphere down there and a good game, albeit. But, but uh, typical Kenny style, we raced out into a lead, and that key came. So, <laughs> tricky but, to shake you off. Well, it was very similar to, I suppose, 2014, I think it was in Tullamore, where we were coming down the home straight with a lead, thought we had enough done, and then suddenly there was a, a rally from the opposition team. So similarly enough, something similar to what she did to us in 2014. Yeah. But uh, yeah, didn't come out the right side of it though, unfortunately. So it wasn't, wasn't much good to us. And uh, me and you had to sell our Taylor Swift tickets, didn't we? Well, yeah, importantly enough, yeah. <laughs> I didn't, nobody knew about that until now. But <laughs> Your street cred is absolutely out the window now. Four, 14 in O'Connor Park. Was that the year, Paul, that Canning did the John Cena celebration or was that a few years before that? No, I think that was 2009, if I remember right. Yeah. I think he was marking JJ that day. No, 2014 was the first day I remember. Actually, Joe got a pint from the sideline just um, yeah. last puck of the game to draw it. And then, like, it was funny with that match, though. Like, the following week, we had a small bit of a rejig. And the likes of Conor Fogarty played his first game midfield. I think Park Welsh was playing midfield. And they kind of went one or two other lads then. And that kind of saw us through then for the year. Like, these lads who had been were on the bench in that match uh, against Galway 
draw and match management looked at it and said wait now we'll throw in one or two things here and like of Conor Fogarty that was the first match where they established themselves so it's funny how these things work out like you know we were leaving Tullamore that night and going you know god we're after leaving that one behind us what do we do there but then it's funny when you look back like some lads got a chance out of that night and some lads established themselves completely after it so it's uh it's funny how these things work out but no the John Cena one that was 2009 because I remember watching uh I was watching that one from the stands <laughs> it's easy to, easy to pick out how you remember it and you can't be blamed for uh, Canning putting the ball in the net no. uh, during that game either yeah. it, it's funny Scal I remember both those games uh, 09 and 14 and them games being in Tullamore it was only a few so we were talking about you know provincial grounds and not playing in Crow Park for me there was something quite special about both of them because they were filled to the rafters on both occasions yeah they were there was, and it was great scenery and I just I rewind back into you know uh, what really hammers it home for me is when I was in QZ Park there last week for the Clare Waterford game not, not a capacity crowd by any means but there was colour and it was real, you know, it was really intense, even though I suppose Claire obviously qualified, but the crowd was electric. And it, when, when they're in on top of you, if you know what I mean, that's the way it's sensed on the pitch. When they're in on top of you, and even if it's kind of three quarters full, it just provides a much better atmosphere than a sparse crowd. If you put 40,000 into Crow Park, you actually wouldn't think they're there, you know. Uh, and it's just the venue itself, Crow Park, is, it's tricky to provide, you know, uh, I suppose a good spectacle from, from a player perspective, unless there's. 75 I'm talking about energy you know mm. if our final day is class don't get me wrong like 80 odd thousand there that, that's real energy and real noise but if you've anything below like 35 40 it's, it's actually hard to get get traction going from the crowd because you, you can you know it's it's a sparsity but the likes of Cusey Park in uh, Innes the likes of uh, even Torres when it's full is class um, like Nolan Park is good you know all these grounds Tullamore is deadly Port Leash other grounds are excellent and like I'd be hugely in favour of going to a, a county ground for big games than going to uh, Crow Park for half a crowd. Murph, when it comes to tickets selling pretty quickly, 11 minutes it took for the allocation that was left for the public for the Munster Hurling final. Because understandably, look, everyone that had tickets through the county boards and Clare and Limerick snapped them up straight away. The season ticket holders weren't going to give their tickets back. Tickets for the stand go up for sale. And I heard of plenty of people who were given out about the online queues that they had it was almost as bad as Bruce Springsteen to try and get to Semple Stadium for this coming weekend which just goes to show the interest in the Munster Hurling final 11 minutes it took for the public tickets to actually sell out yeah it's incredible and a few weeks ago here we were just talking about you know obviously Thurl is not being maybe and, and look it still applies to this match that teams don't necessarily fear it or playing against Tipperary don't fear it anyway and um, because of the neutral ground but we we're also talking about um, you know the trouble filling it like James is saying you need a big crowd in Turles to have a savage atmosphere like I was at 11,000 in, in Welsh Park for, for Watford and Cork savage atmosphere because Welsh Park was ideal for that but again go back to James's point 11,000 in Turles you know isn't a huge amount sounds empty so it's amazing to see that we're gone full 180 on this now and now 11 minutes Turles sold out which I think only added to the excitement of this match we all knew there'd be huge interest in it but I've never been asked for someone to look into getting them tickets before for Turles or for a Munster game but this week I've had a few requests of lads saying there's ranting you can do and I said Jesus Munster is out of my remit anyway whatever chance I have at Leinster Munster is well away from me but uh, that for me was actually I was saying Jesus there must be a huge interest because that was the first I heard of it that um, like I wasn't obviously keeping track of tickets or anything but next thing fairly quickly I was getting texts saying would you, would you know anyone that you could de- get tickets for so it's brilliant that for a Munster final in Tur- it's probably a good few years since we've seen that so I think like that's only that's only adding to the whole build up to this game that obviously there's such a savage interest and people are fighting tooth and nail for tickets it's it's yeah. it's, it's making it's, it's adding to the atmosphere yeah like we were talking about the split season last week Scal and we mentioned the fact that look 
in our opinion it makes perfect sense to give this a trial see where it goes to it seems that there is still a massive interest in GA going into the summer the Ulster final at the weekend where you had Derry going to try and do something rare and get their hands on an Ulster title Donegal the established order and you know the hope that they were going to go far in the championship that final at Clonus with a big attendance over 40,000 sold out yeah. as well this game is sold out if games are meaningful and if the championships are actually pretty hot people want to get their hands on tickets to me it was no great surprise that you know there would seem to be fairly minimal interest in the Leinster football and Munster football finals last weekend but yeah. that's what happens when you've got Dublin and Kerry beating teams out the gate yeah like and oh it's opposite opposite ends of the spectrum will like even I, I'd say uh, Murph made a, made a point there about tickets like there's people there's people from my locality going to the Munster final however they got the tickets you know so it's not just interest from Limerick and Clare it's interesting from the, the, the hurling people as well and I'd say if you were to go up to Clonus yesterday yes you said 40,000 I, I would put a big bet which is that that, that 40,000 wasn't just Donegal and Derry you know there was a, a whole host of neutrals in there because it created interest like and even though the game from my perspective I know look at I'd say it like it is when it comes to football I just can't watch it right so <laughs> sorry unless, it's, unless it's, a, it's a humdinger of a game but I just it wasn't the greatest spectacle from a game perspective but the crowd made it exciting and the finish made it exciting you could say so uh, look there's that's the that's the proof of the pudding you know that's the proof of the pudding and even on, on the split season you're talking about uh, like we said last week that we, we need to go through the season then review it and see where it brings us and you can touch on Tommy Dyle's article that was done last week I know more of you tweeted about like and that was a great article and that was the first time I think you know an actual current player uh, gave his thoughts and someone who's finished you know to a certain extent they're finished they're, 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 they're year you could say and he came out with kind of very glowing reviews and, and positive from his perspective so yeah there's, there's a lot to be said for it. Um, the Leinster football god <laughs> that was a tough watch wasn't it Thankfully, I was at the rugby. I don't, I don't know. Thankfully, you're on. Thankfully, I was in Marseille, so I was just following the scoreline along. On, on you were at the rugby. I was at the rugby. Yeah, uh, it took me about 24 hours to. Get Thanks to for inviting us. Thanks for bringing us. Yeah, I tell you, if you had to go through security on Saturday morning at Dublin Airport, you would have turned around, Skell, and said, "I'll watch the rugby from home," as opposed to going to Marseille. I think I was an hour and 40 minutes in security, which uh, wasn't as bad as some people on Sunday, with like a thousand people missing the flights, but. Wasn't a great experience all the same. The final was actually very entertaining, though, and all credit to La Rochelle and the job they did on Leinster. Uh, Ron O'Gara said to me afterwards that they're the first team to stop Leinster scoring a try in knockout European rugby in Leinster's history. To do that Jeez. in a Heineken Cup final is some going. That's some a ridiculous team. stat. That's a ridiculous stat. It's class. And fair play to Rog for knowing the stats straight away. Mm. Yeah, he's infectious when he, when he talks, isn't he? He is. And, well, if uh, anyone's talking in sport, just in sport in general, like he is infectious when he speaks. Yeah. No, he's a, br- he's a brilliant mindset. And I loved actually for any kind of aspiring hurling coaches, it's all relevant, is that we were chatting to Agar afterwards and he said, because I asked him about how calm he was, because before the game, I was down chatting to Leo Cullen down in the tunnel area because we get this kind of pre-chat that we had on off the ball. And O'Gara was out chatting to the French media, doing exactly the same thing for French radio. And if you remember the picture of Rog with the Queen in Belfast, where he had the hands in the pockets and he looked like mm. the most laid back man in the room, that was him 40 minutes before a Heineken Champions Cup final. And you're thinking a head coach who, you know, last year had lost two finals. They lost the top 14 final. They lost the Heineken final. You would have thought, like, maybe there was a certain amount of nervous tension. Mm-hmm. Roger was the calmest man in the stadium before kickoff came around. And he was saying that going down and learning from Robertson and learning at the Crusaders actually flipped his whole mindset about sport 180. That in Munster, they had a certain way of doing things. But after he came back from the Crusaders, he had learned so much. And his whole approach towards rugby, towards coaching, his mindset about life changed. And he was just saying that that was one of those experiences that was well worth taking, was going down Mm. to New Zealand, learning a bit over those couple of years, going to France when his own career finished to work with Racing. 
It's uh, maybe it's relevant to Henry Shefflin going to Galway, maybe learning a different way rather than staying in the Kilkenny system. I don't know, lads. You bridged that lovely anyway. Well, I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, a, the first, it's, a, it's a segue and a half, and not one I'd ever intended to talk about. It's the first time about. I think Galway has been twinned with Auckland or somewhere like that. Like, <laughs> they don't have as many earthquakes anyway. But uh, yeah, no, definitely. Like, and that's that is a point we we probably chatted about. Like, I'd know for definite anyway that Henry would have his own views on what way a ship should be steered, what way a ship should be run, what his views on coaching are. So absolutely, you know. Um, it, I think it does serve a very good purpose to step out of your own bubble and like like you're saying there Rog had an idea of the way things would work in Munster and they obviously had a very set way and for so long he bought into that and I think a very hard thing to do sometimes is, is unbuy it from that is that that's what you want to say like you know step away from that and go well, maybe there's another way of thinking which obviously he's saying that you know he was immersed in this culture in New Zealand of how they go about their rugby and so obviously when he saw that he went well maybe you know not to say they don't have the right monster but maybe he went maybe there's another way of doing things here that in the modern game you know because the game changes management changes coaching everything changes so absolutely yeah. and and there is there's a lot you can take from that and um from like henry going down to galway or different people stepping out of their own bubble going somewhere else learning a huge amount and yeah it's all relevant it's absolutely all relevant I promise you yeah. I'll bring this right back round to you know Gleeson, Malumphy, Shefflin those who are imagine elsewhere a little bit later on in the pod but I don't want to go away more fighter from some of the scale just brought up which was uh, Jogger Doyle's comments which were on the 42 last week when he was talking to Morris Brosnan and um, you've mentioned this before the idea really should be that if we're going to listen to anybody about this as opposed to listen to journalists or as opposed to listen to ex uh, players who are working as pundits right now the players who are out there actually playing the championships are those who probably have the most interesting views on this and I thought Doyle was incredibly honest like to surmise what he said the last week on the panel they were saying isn't it an awful pity that Westmead don't get a little bit extra into the summer with the season that they've had and he said no actually this is great we achieved everything we wanted to achieve we've stayed up in the Leinster Championship for next year we've got promotion we picked up a couple of pieces of silverware along the way and now my summer is laid out before me I can go for a bit of a break get ready to come back for the club and for the first time in a long time it doesn't feel like I'm doing a 12 month season back to back there's an awful lot to be said for that lads yeah absolutely um, and one of the things that I thought was so, and we did say it already like I mean we talked about the, the, the penalties with the minors and the saying that ask them how they feel would they rather you know have a penalty shootout and get keep the championship on the road and keep moving or would you want to draw this out to another replay because it's a spectacle for us so similar enough to this I was saying like I mean there's a great insight into where players are at the moment because I've been in a few let's say environments lately where people are asking you know the split season and debating it but mostly from players I'm hearing that absolutely brilliant I actually haven't heard one opinion saying that they don't like the split season the way it is um, and like an interesting comment that I saw Don Logue obviously we all saw that debate that, and, that Don Logue and Anthony Daly and, and Liam Sheedy had one of the points that Don Logue said and I and I appreciate what people are saying that we're competing against rugby and we're competing against um, like one of the teams he said we're competing against the Liverpools of this world we're not really like you know if Liverpool come knocking offering you know some soccer player or some hurler a hundred grand a week we're, like there's no competition there they go whereas I think where we do compete is that the likes of Tommy Dyla saying a young fella from Westmead goes why should I go in and hurl for Westmead and he goes well you're surrounded by the best physios the best trainers um, you're, you're, you're in a group of 30 players you train really hard for 6 months at the end of that 6 months then you know you have a definite period of downtime there where if you have a good club manager he'll let you off and you'll get to go to Spain and to beat whatever you want to do and live your life so the trade off of not living your life isn't taken away from you either and I appreciate what some people have said like when I was 
Wicked Kenny I was the most dedicated player and everything came second to that for, for a large extent in terms of social life and different things so I was definitely wasn't one of the players that was you know out partying away or anything like that so I came from that mindset definitely but I now that I'm stepped away from it I appreciate that, that downtime and I definitely think a lot of players now currently playing do appreciate that downtime do recognise well I'm, I'm given enough commitment why should my commitment entail on playing all the ways through the summer um, all for attendances all for viewing all for television rights and different things like that to compete I think players are given enough that if this is what players enjoy well happy days I mean player welfare I'm all for it and if this yeah. is something that one of the best players in the country is saying this is this is brilliant for me well that to me says then we're not going to lose a Tommy Doyle over the next few years because he decides I want to take a year out or two years and he may go and decide that but overall if he's a reflection of what the current players are thinking well then I think we're doing something right here actually so like James was saying though a few weeks ago we have to play it through and see how it works and air out all or iron out all the, all the small little things in it but this is a huge thing if this is what the players are feeling and again it's a player saying it it's not someone like me retired a few years and the knowledge I have of the game will slowly, slowly drift over the few years and my experiences that'll you know I'll forget that the current players now they're the players you need to ask about this and see really is it the best thing for them yeah, Skell, I'm, I'm guessing you're enjoying your downtime as well. Aside from the downtime, though, you were involved with the Galway Miners at the weekend as part of the management team. And you know, Galway now qualified, we know, for an All-Ireland semi-final. We'll see who's mm-hmm. going to follow through when Clare play against Leash this coming weekend for the final qualifier for the last four. But, you know, with an unusual setup for Galway not being in a provincial series, you must be delighted to have come through this round robin now against uh, two of the beaten provincial finalists. Yeah, well- like I suppose in, in years previous, Galway would only got one shot at a quarter final, and if you're out, you're out. You know that was kind of going back to my time. And like first things first, it's great to get a couple of guaranteed games for the for the young fellas because I think the grade is, you know, it's, I know it's great to win it. It's great to get through to contest, you know, semi-finals and finals. But it's primarily about development of the young lads. So like and you want to get them exposed to, to games and big time games. And there is an element, small element, of disappointment in me that we, you don't get to uh, to to kind of raise the curtain for a senior game. You know, um, that that used to be a great experience. Let's say if you were in Crow Park in a, in a semi-final day or a final day, that was awesome. That was some of probably the the best experience you'd have as a person at that, that age. So that's kind of disappointing. But look, it's great to get it. Two tough games came through, um, and uh, it's hard. I won't know until next week now if we're playing Offaly or uh, or Tipperary. But um, look, two for two. What more could you ask for? Yeah, no, definitely. I think, look, the provincial uh, finals were really entertaining this year. We talked about the Munster on penalties, and then we had that great uh, festival that we had at Omore Park between Offaly and yeah. Leash. So we'll see what happens with Leash and Clare. That'll complete the, the final four, and then the teams are back out on the 19th of June. So you've a little bit of time now to uh, get ready for those games coming up over the next while. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think it's, look, again, I think the minors been really entertaining this year. And again, all credit to TG Carr. I was able to watch the tail end of Leash against Galway when I landed in France the weekend because they were shown on the YouTube so just fantastic to be able to just dip in have a quick look um, there's probably do you know what Skell there's probably more coverage of the minor championships on TG Carr than there is of any other championship in the GA this year it's wall to wall coverage of it and it's great like I I, 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 I I say this from the bottom heart I really appreciate what TG Carr do because without them where would it be in just go back where would it be in the club game you know when all the like I suppose when the weather's gone terrible and the, the pitches are mucky in November, December, January, February, like they're there covering them. So I think like we're lucky as you know as, as a population to have TG Carr who are willing to go to those games and suffer suffer those conditions because I've seen some of the poor cameramen with the young fellas what they have to suffer and endure. But it's great, like, and it's great for the young fellas to get a bit of exposure and to feel and just feel important. 
you know that's and that's that in itself is important so they're playing for a county team i know it's great it's class as a minor in my opinion the minor has taken kind of a step down when they moved it from under 18 back to under 17 um it used to have a lot more i suppose finesse and finesse at the time um so it's good for them to get some exposure look see themselves on television look at them it's great for their families it's great for the parents so onwards and upwards yeah, no, it adds that bit of profile as well as we get ready for those semi-finals in a few weeks' time. Now, look, lads, I kind of enjoyed the fact that there was a bit of a break week from the hurling last week. It kind of brought the hunger back a bit ahead of this weekend. Um, <laughs> two potential fantastic finals ahead, Murph. We might start off with Sunday. 4pm, it's going to be a sold-out Temple Stadium. It's Limerick against Clare. There's a novelty about the pairing because they haven't played in the Munster Finals since 1994. Clare haven't won a title since 98. This Limerick team kind of sweeping all before them, potentially could do four in a row. So for the neutral, there's all this intrigue going into it. And then it's ratcheted up a little bit too because we had a fantastic draw between the teams only just a few weeks ago. You couldn't really have a better setup for a Munster Final than what we have this year. No, you couldn't. And like you said, the draw itself adds to it because... Um, like there's no one coming into this game talking of oh will Clare be able to go the extra mile uh, yeah look they have to get an extra point or two to go and win the match but people aren't saying God will that will that be a psychological blow for Clare that they lost down in Ennis to Limerick the draw was nearly perfect and perfect for Clare as well because if they went and won that match well people are saying well can they go and do it again and that'll be the narrative coming into it the narrative at the moment is just very much right down the middle it's a very hard one to call and I suppose everybody's trying to pull apart the last match up in Ennis to see where do we think the one team or another could get a foothold like for me I think Limerick will be looking at like are really thinking about it after the last game like it's it's only since Keane Lynch has gone like we always knew if Keane Lynch stepped out of it how much of a uh, of a vacuum he'd leave there but for me, Keane Lynch knits together that whole six fours because they seem to be operating away and they're very dangerous. But there's just something missing that's holding it all together. And Keane Lynch was the man that was making them click, popping off those really good balls and mainly having those those free scoring forwards in, in really good scoring positions. Like he was so clever about how he pops off the ball, generally out around the 45 in front of goal, and he's well capable of taking his own scores. So the importance of Keane Lynch, look, we all know it's it'll be a loss to Limerick not having him there. So that could be an opening for for Clare. Um again, Limerick will be looking at the point of view that okay, both sides had wides on the day, but a few more of Limerick's were you know, they really should have scored. I'm thinking of Kyle Hayes' one again in the last 10 minutes or so. Um, Will O'Donoghue, I think he had one, maybe not two kind of wild shots at goal. You know, there was a few points there that Limerick could be looking at. Whereas I suppose Clare were a little bit more economical and they did. I think Tony Kelly hit one mad wide. He was, uh, and he was in acres of space, but it was nearly so much so he had too much space at the time. I don't think Clare will have too much to look at that way to think that if we did a small bit more, um, they, they, were, they were less wasteful than Limerick in terms of in terms of the wides but um, it's a very tough one to call I don't think Limerick I don't think Clare will fear Limerick at all I think they'll be really up for it again just because of we talked about the momentum last week the feel good atmosphere that's around Clare at the moment they'll have huge support you know coming back off the back of last year and the disappointment and the different things I just think there'll be so many lads going at this game going there's no reason to be nervous here there'll be a little bit of nerves but let's just absolutely go at it but Limerick turn up on the big day as well so like what do you do where do you call it from there um, I might give myself another two or three minutes to decide and, and let's get it decide Jesus. is it Limerick or Clare call it yeah I, I'm going to go unfortunately I'm going to just, just tip Limerick in this one I just think that again go back to the errors they had on the day in Ennis for me they just had one or two more that was a little bit unlike Limerick and I just think that they'll go 
yeah, we're getting down in Turles, lads. We need to stop being as wasteful as we were. And if they get a the few more scores, but I really don't think to be Anthony in it. If we're sitting here next Monday and it's Clare that are after winning, I won't be one bit surprised, you know, because it yeah. is, as they say, like a grain of rice will tip the balance here. Like it's just so finely, finely balanced at the moment. But I'll, I'll go for Limerick for this one. Mm. Skell, I'll ask you about Keane Lynch because he's been officially ruled out by John Kiley as of last week when Limerick were doing the interviews. I think it was Wednesday of last week he said, no way, hamstring, it's going to take him a while to be back. Uh, we're looking at All-Ireland series as opposed to the Munster final. So I think we have to assume that he is going to be out. I don't believe him. You don't believe him, right. Go on, take it from there. So. <laughs> no, well, listen to me. Until that Limerick team is togged out, and until he's sitting in the, in the in the stand with his hat turned backwards in the pair of shorts with a cup of coffee in his hand, right? I'm not going to believe he's not going to be on the pitch. You know? Uh, no, look, I tell you, um, he's he's an awful lot. He's a monumental loss. Like, and I, I, but Limerick are so finely balanced. They've got generational players everywhere. Like, I, if you think of, I, I have to name them out because if you think of Hegarty, you think of Land, Lynch, Hayes, like all these guys are generational players. So they, they have an accumulation of a group at the moment that is so good that they all complement each other. So they're they're a fine fine team. That's why they produce the big days. And I, I, I agree, Morph. Look, when I, when I'm going through all the reasons, I'm trying to find reasons. I'm trying to I'm trying to conjure up reasons why Clare will win and why Limerick will win. And I just the balance is just tipping in Limerick's favour at the minute because I I I think they'll probably have come out of the game and in innocent state themselves. We have more scope for improvement. Like we have a greater amount to improve on that probably Clare were on that day. Like how much more can Clare get out of Tony Kelly? Shane Donnell and Peter Duggan on, the, on, on Sunday it's hard to know how much more will they get out of Galan who wasn't even there you know Flanagan you know Hegarty if he's, if he's staring on the pitch like will we see will we see Kyle Hayes back in the backs you know questions that I, I just can't answer and they will be I think more efficient you get a bigger performance out of Will I don't know who like like Mark said didn't produce his his normal kind of I'll say a rough and tumble performance from midfield because he's, he's kind of a member of the like he makes the whole thing stick as well at times, you know, from a from a work rate perspective. So I don't know. That's the only reasons. They're the reasons I'm trying to conjure in my head to say that Limerick are going to come to this. And then, like they're 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 giving a five point head start on, on the bookies, like so. It's hard to know how, and they're never really too far wrong to say. But if I was calling this now, I'd have to be saying it's Limerick by a point or two, because all evidence points at that. You know, Limerick are in such or Clare, excuse me, are in such good form. They travel fierce well. They always travel well. They always bring great color, and they're allowed. The sports allowed. So they'll give the team a bit of a kick. You know, down the home stretch. So, look, I, it's a fascinating game. I'd love to be going through myself because I'd say it'll be great, a super atmosphere, and uh, it'll be uh, hopefully, hopefully, to produce a game that that both teams would would want. Yeah, look, Murphy's going to be tighter than five points. I think there's enough to indicate from Clare that they will be an awful lot closer to Limerick than that. And I know sometimes in hurling could be a late goal and five points can maybe be, you know, unreflective of a result. I think back even to Clare's win against Cork earlier in the championship where it was a couple of points on the board, but really Clare had won by quite a bit more. But for me, I mean, again, Tony Kelly, when we're talking about how there was so much dependency on him in 2021 and 2020, he's averaging 12 points those years per game. He's still averaging 12 points per game right now. All right, he was rested for the last game against Waterford, but that's what he's averaging, 12 points a game. With the supporting cast who are adding more scores around him, with a half-back line that's been playing really well for Clare this year. So, for me, that would indicate that Clare have got a lot of good things going into this final. They do, yeah, and, and there's no one denying it. They have a huge amount going for them. Like, even how their backs are playing... Just when the ball breaks down, and particularly in the Waterford match, and I, okay, I know people will say Waterford were, you know, Waterford were what they were the last day. Let's just put it down to that. But 
as soon as the ball broke down, the clear backs knew exactly what they were going to do with the ball. You know, they were turning, they were looking for that out ball. And when you're kind of describing that, let's say a team, a ball breaks down, initially a player gets a ball, he pops it off, and the team are now pushing forwards in waves. It sounds like you're describing Limerick there, and that was something for me. I was looking at Clare going, geez, this isn't something. They were a little bit disjointed, you know, even last year, showing fits and bursts, relying heavily on Tony Kelly. But like you said, Tony Kelly is still the same. Uh, on song hurling away is but the lads around him have now really come into it and again the likes of Davy Fitzgerald is popping into my head or here's a, a corner back has been absolutely immense and is pushing Sean Finn down at the other end in terms of if we're thinking about an all-star for this year corner back like there's just there's so many people that Clare have and, and particularly the likes of Shane O'Donnell like we've talked about him already but Shane O'Donnell you know if, if Limerick are looking at him he's not your standard player in terms of I've said this before that he doesn't do what you expect him to do and he makes these runs where he doesn't he, he'll run right up against another player take it around him and then you know might sidestep and bring it back on himself he just doesn't do what you expect him to do and that's very hard to mark you know so John Kiley would have to go out and maybe pick one of the players if he's picking out players that he needs to have man marked like you're going Tony Kelly and you're going Shane O'Donnell for very obvious reasons but I think if John Kiley decides he's going with a man marking job for Tony Kelly follow him everywhere anywhere he goes just follow him well you're automatically you're kind of giving ground to Clare there in the way that you're stepping away from your game plan to 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 attack Clare's game plan but there's serious gains to be made there by if you potentially keep Tony Kelly away from four or five points from play well that could be the platform you have for the rest of your players going ahead and winning the match so like it's it's so interesting it's fascinating to think of what Brian Lone is thinking, what John Kiley is thinking, where do they think those gains are going to come? Because that's what you're looking for. You're looking for where's the few areas where I'm going to really target against either team. Either team. So for me with Clare, that's something they're looking to do. I think what Brian Lone will be looking to do is go, right, does Shane O'Donnell start left half forward on Dermot Burns? I think he probably does. And I think he wonders and asks the question of Dermot Burns, are you going to follow me? Because we saw what Joe Brown did against Tipperary. When he, when he made Dermot Burns ask the question, did Dermot Burns know what to do for a few minutes? And that's been very hard on Dermot Burns because, again, he's in hurler of the year form. But this is what I think the managers are thinking of at the moment. Where do I where do I break up the other team or where do I open up a bit of a door here that we could maybe get a few points before the other team slams the door shut in us again? So it's just absolutely fascinating. But like I said, such fine margins there to to try and decide where this game is going to go. But like, Claire will bring huge energy, huge fitness, a kind of, I think they just play with abandonment. They'll just, you know, they don't care. They know they're up against one of the best teams of a generation, or probably the best team of this generation. So what have they to fear? And I think they're just going to throw everything at Limerick. And Limerick's job as champions is to take that and go ahead and I suppose defy some of the naysayers at the moment and go and win this match because Limerick will have a few people doubting them at the moment because they've been stop start in the league and a little bit in the championship in terms of finding their form. So. Like, I mean, how do you unpack all that and decide in the winner? Like, it's just, the whole thing is just so fascinating. Yeah, it would be a special achievement if Limerick were to do four in a row. I mean, you're going back to the Cork team of both the early to mid-80s <coughs> and the Cork team of the mid-70s into the late-70s who both did five in a row. It's been very difficult to actually defend the title, really, since then. And this Limerick team, a uh, couple won over COVID, and then we go back to the year before, they've already done three in a row. So um, this potentially could be a Limerick team winning four Munster titles on the run. Scahill, when it comes to who should do the man-marking job then, you, know, you said last week that with Tony Kelly, you nearly need to have someone zonally watching zones that he goes into and someone man-marking him so he doesn't get on possession further out the field. Yeah. Limerick obviously likes to do a lot of hurling from their half-back line. I think we can almost assume that Tony Kelly will want to hurl nominally in the half-forward line but drift. You're John Kiley, what do you do? Uh, the two things. Today's game is all possession. So 
So like playing his own game might work for you because a 15 yard pass here and a 15 yard pass in a different direction cuts cuts through his own like like basketball, you know the triangles. I say it's very it's very hard to play his own game today because just everything is so short, snappy, fast, you know, and and teams are working around you as opposed to working through you. If you if you, if you get me, you know, so. I think you mark Tony Kelly. I think you. I know, and I agree with Murphy saying to a certain extent. I would always be setting up a team to go and attack a team's weakness, as opposed to, I suppose, worrying about their strengths. But I think Tony Kelly is such a strength that you have to just assign something specific to him. Now, if I was assigning a man marker on him, it's so tricky because look what Jimmy Burns is offering Limerick from a scoring perspective. Obviously, he's a great defender. I'm not questioning that whatsoever. But if you have him down, <laughs> you know, in a, in a port in an area of the pitch that you don't want him where he's not as effective you're probably limiting yourself Limerick a small bit but they've got such this is the thing about Limerick I don't think any other team in Ireland can move their full back to wing back move their wing back to centre forward or full forward you know move their old full forward back to centre back I don't think any team can do that at the minute so I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if John Colley did say to Jim Burns right Jim off you go there and Tony if you end up in our half forward line so be it they have such good cover you could see Will don't know who back there you could see in, in wing back I just don't know you know but I just think they're such a finely balanced team that they can all play in multiple positions and that's evident even John Barry Nash going back who would, who would have been known at county level as a forward and he's all-star form all, all their goalie all their backs midfielders most of the forwards are all-stars so they're, they're all able to play a bit like the Tommy Walsh where he can move in multiple positions so I wouldn't be surprised to see Jeremy Burns go wherever Tony Kelly goes but again like that I wouldn't be surprised to see like John Kelly say right we're going to play our game Jim would you play on your uh, your five position and look let's 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 go from there and let's make them take us down so it's hard to know like I, I suppose you asked me the question I would personally put Jim on Tony and say stick beside him because I've seen firsthand when we've played clear and we've put let's say Johnny Cohn on Tony and you notify you notify he's kind of um, I suppose he's influencing the game it helps it helps an awful lot you know you don't have him scoring 14 15 points it, it helps it puts you on you know, a front foot straight away when you have someone who can keep up with him from a pace perspective and who's a smart hurler and Jimmy Burns can do both so it's going to be an intriguing battle and one I'm very interested in Murph when it comes to versatility will there be any let's say temptation for the Limerick management to possibly move Kyle Hayes further back or do you think Hayes stays up in the forward line for this game um, I think well, perfectly myself I think overall you have to move Kyle Hayes away I think the reason is it was so successful his move to wing back is that he was able to do these runs from deep but you just see how strong he is running but the, the idea that you have him starting deep like 14 isn't the position for him 11 worked well or you know up in the half forward line worked well against Cork because Cork didn't really know what to do and Cork were still getting their house in order but for me it's Kyle Hayes running forward like when when, when um. Limerick worked that ball out of defence. They have the, the players running off the shoulder. Kyle Hayes being one of those players is an enormous strength because when he runs into that channel, it's the same as Groot Higarty. Like, how do you stop him? He's such a big player. So for me, I think they do move him back. But again, it's this call that we're saying, let's say they have to make the idea of would you bring Kyle Hayes out? Kyle Hayes, just bring him a little bit further away from goal and let him attack onto the goal. That's what I'd be thinking there. And I think, yeah, if you want to bring him out half forward, again, I'd be thinking pushing him back closer to the half back line to where we've seen him over the last few years is is, is better again um, for Kyle Hayes. But I think just going back to what we're saying with Tony Kelly, I think, like again, what James was saying there, he can either go zonal and once he comes into your... But I don't think he can do that with Tony Kelly because if you, if you give him two or three yards, that's enough, he's done, he has the ball. So the options I think that like, Limerick have is either William O'Donoghue because William O'Donoghue kind of struggled to get into one or two games their Tipperary game he didn't get on much ball or Dara Donovan was really hurling well so there's an option there where they could go right 
you go on Tony Kelly and what will happen there Tony Kelly is able to find the ball and who's Will O'Donoghue in terms of the best man in the country to actually break up possession and get in and get over the ball so you kind of have a match there um, do you sacrifice Dimmer Burns I don't know I think even the likes of bringing Barry Nash out half back line and after five minutes let's say Barry Nash goes right because he's hurling in, re- in great form at the moment he's a great athletic ability and everything he might follow Tony Kelly and once after five minutes when you see where Tony Kelly's playing because Declan Hannan you don't want to leave him out of centre back you don't want him like Declan Tony Kelly starting centre forward if Declan Hannan moves it opens up a huge area there that Declan Hannan controls in the Limerick half back line so I just think that that's what in terms of the tactical play that Limerick will be looking at I don't think the Kyle Hayes is as big of a move at the moment I think the ones they need to nail down is Shane O'Donnell and Tony Kelly um, and decide who's going to be going there again I would let Dermot Burns do what Dermot Burns does I would let him hurl the game from right half back and let him get his few points going forward because he'll do that so I think that's what maybe John Kiley will be looking at going right well if we do go on, on Tony Kelly who do I go and I think he'd commit the likes of Barry Nash to it or potentially dropping Willow Dunn who backed that small bit and for the sake of the throw in Declan Hannan starts out midfield but once the ball once the, the, the match gets into it Declan Hannan's actually centre back and Willow Dunn who is just following Tony Kelly and indirectly then Tony Kelly will lead him to the ball and he can he can fight for possession there but again it's there's so many calls to be made there will John Kiley go on the back foot there because that, that, that could be seen as that that mm-hmm. John Kiley is so cautious with Tony Kelly and Shane O'Donnell. Does he go on the back foot there? I, I don't think it's seen as going on the back foot, but certainly it is maybe, I suppose, saying that these lads are so dangerous that maybe we won't handle them. So there's decisions to be made there. And look, a lot will be, we'll figure out a lot. I don't even think we'll figure out a lot before the game. It'll be after the first five or 10 minutes where we'll see where players are moving that, okay, this is the plan that they have for them today. And look, Duggan is going to be there as an option to try and bypass a couple of lines if Clare want to go a bit more direct and he's been so effective this year. Similarly, like a mirror at the other end, you've Galan doing exactly the same job, really. And if we're going to talk about Tony Kelly getting 12 points a game, Galan so far, 11 points a game he's scored. Uh, three goals and 22 points. He's been you know, a goal a game in the matches that he's played in so far. Um, really, really important with the way Limerick have been playing. And similarly, Skell, you know, he's going to be there trying to drag that Clare full back line around a bit he'll probably operate for a good bit of the time in on his own on that inside line but as we've mentioned so many times he's so good at winning his own ball you can allow Galan to do that yeah you can um, like, and he's not look he's not the biggest forward you see in the country but he he's, he's exceptional at, at, from an aerial perspective I, I believe he's playing the hurling playing the man the whole time with the water comes into him but like, I'm tension enough about saying that but uh, he's, hold on he's, now. He's, he's on fire going to an issue he's, he's at the weekend Skell that at some point there's going to be a call arguing that he's played someone's hurl or he's playing the man as he yeah. goes through yeah 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 and I know because I know people in Limerick will just lambaste me for that but I'm telling you like he's getting up and he's putting the hurl down over another man's hurl ah oh, Lucas I'm opening myself up here now to Cameron Warrens but <laughs> I don't mind <laughs> he does it from time to time let's just say that way right you know I know they get they get hot and heavy about him down there, right? So I won't say too much. But look, he's class. Um, I'm I and I, I'm I'm actually, I'm actually listening out the team there from Limerick, and I'm if if Hayes goes back, in the backs like some some of the one of the backs in Limerick is good, like one of the serious backs is going to miss out. I can't I can't actually pick the team. You know, if I'm assuming O'Neill is going to go centre forward, I know I'm digressing for a second, Will, but I just want to cover this. Mm. O'Neill goes centre forward. Let's say, let's say Flanagan starts. Uh, he, uh, he has to start right. then yeah. you're going to have one of Reedy, Ryan or Mulcahy one of those in the corner forward position where does Hayes play? Like, does, does, does Casey go out? does Morrissey go out? no Nash, Nash starts Finn starts Bourne starts Hannon starts so like I don't know where to put him <laughs> to clue so we could see a big change there before anything happens you know 
So God knows, but I'm assuming I'm assuming Flanagan and Galan are going to be in the front forward line for uh, for Limerick with their third man probably moving out a bit. And I'm assuming Rory Hayes will take up Galan because he's in like in the more than Galan up the front. Rory Hayes is playing some stuff at the back. Like he's 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 he is the premier cornerback at the moment nationally. So that's just going to be a great battle. So I'm interested to see how that goes. But um, if you if you're going to go stop Limerick, you have a lot of things to do. Don't get me wrong, but. First thing you have to do is stop Glenn. In today's game, right now, in the form he's in right now, you need to stop him. And so Rory has, has an awful t- test uh, test against him. But uh, like he's in such good form, he's well capable of it. The more and more you talk about it, you're saying you know, there's arguments he made here, like how well Rory Hayes has been, how well Sean Finn has been playing. We might have the two best cornerbacks in the country right now. We've got two of the best, uh, more than two of the best attacking players in the country here. As James already mentioned, we've sometimes listed our top five in the country. I think we had Tony Kelly plus three Limerick players in that top five earlier this year. Like Murph, it's mouthwatering stuff, really. I mean, a lot of this is going to be fluid and movement, and you know these forwards are going to come out of different positions and whatever else. But uh, like, you really, really couldn't have a better narrative here. No, I couldn't. And like you said, it's it's one of those games that it doesn't just hinge on one or two things going right. You need a lot of things to go right to get over the finish line in this one. And it'll be amazing to see, like we're saying there, like we've talked so much about Tony Kelly and Shane O'Donnell and Dermot Burns and all these. But when you see the ball flying down to the corner and it's Aaron Galan and Rory Hayes going out for it, like, I mean, there's a battle in itself in the corner. Like, and I just think everywhere you look on the pitch, there's going to be just savage battles and it nearly casts your mind back to like the 90s when you had the Tip Clare games and all these games and, and like let's say Clare and Limerick and all these great players and there was battles all over the pitch like this is this is teed up really to be an incredible game and hopefully we don't overplay it and hopefully it, it does I suppose um it does play out to be a really excellent game, but it's just hard to see how it wouldn't be with all the battles that are over the pitch and how, like you know, like some of the best players you're ever going to see on a pitch are going to be there on Sunday. And it's it's hard to imagine how this would be a bad game. It's hard to imagine how either team is going to turn up flat. You just can't see it happening. And the form that so many players are playing in, like you said, you just named two of the best cornerbacks. They're definitely the two best cornerbacks. Um, at the moment in the game of hurling, two definitely right cornerbacks anyway. How do you pick between them two boys? But you could go through the rest of the team, like even James saying there, if you do move Kyle Hayes back into the backs, who goes out? Like they're just all over the pitch. I mean, it's just it's remarkable the amount of storylines that could possibly play out over the weekend. So um, like this is we're, we're we're very lucky to have this because I suppose over the weekend we've some of the matches maybe fail to live up to the football inside the house and that's not saying about the football and hurling or comparing notes but when you do have games that live up to their billing like it's just brilliant this is what we're in it for so it's look it, I think everybody's going to be tuned in I'd say it could be a record breaking attendance and record breaking uh, views on the weekend so just so looking forward to it yeah uh, look here's the thing nearly every week we're changing our opinion when we go oh Galan hurler of the year right now he's playing <laughs> yeah. brilliantly then Dimmer Burns plays excellently and maybe with the exception of the Tipperary game where it wasn't his fault necessarily they overloaded on his side and we were thinking ah, maybe that wasn't Burns best game back to Galan again then it was Shane O'Donnell a couple of weeks ago <laughs> and now by the end of this weekend if someone has a particularly good game we'll be saying ah it's Galan again who's going to win hurler of the year so both of you guys are going for Limerick just about is that, that fair when we conclude our chat on the Munster final <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but well, just about, but like, well, it's, it's toss for kind stuff, like, toss yeah. for kind, like, you can go anywhere at all. I think the yeah, only thing for me now that's actually swaying is just literally, tip, like, or sorry, Limerick have, I suppose, have the, not the farm, if that's not the right thing to say, but they've been proven in, in, in finals over the last few years. And I know it sounds like a silly thing, but, like, that does count for a lot when it comes to finals. And, but that's the only thing I'm really searching for, like, you know, as in if these were, were all being equal, if, if Limerick hadn't won, a few All-Irelands over the last few years and these two teams were coming in this form I think it'd be harder but just look Limerick have, have been tested in the, in, in the fire of All-Ireland finals over the last few years and, mm-hmm. and, and Munster finals and <clears throat> like even saying the likes of the league matches when we're talking about the league 
every week Leinster, or every week Limerick went out you know the team they were playing against had targeted this game because they're playing against the champions and that does that 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 does stand for a lot when it comes to these games as well um so for me and that's a very fine margin that's where i'm tipping limerick it's not to be hard on Clare by any means and i think to be honest any Clare player here naturally need to be happy enough because it suits them to be coming in keep that narrative of being the underdog so that's perfect for Clare as well so if anything we're doing Clare fans a favor <laughs> a favor here as well so it's a win-win situation if you ask uh, me i'll tell you more as well and um, will john keenan is a big game to play as well mm. like he's got he's got a tough task ahead because it's going to be like when you consider like a big crowd obviously intense crowd hot and heavy clear and limerick rivalries etc it's going to be a bit of red blood going there so I hope he doesn't just go with too many freezing lets it off and it's, it's well, it especially with all the talk as well like and look we're as guilty as anyone about the red cards and we were breaking down the Hegarty red card a few weeks ago on the show we've talked about you know some of the decisions for and against limerick throughout the season all that's kind of swirling around scale before the game too and like no <laughs> referee can be entirely immune from that no, it's hard, and like I know from like from a playing perspective, you probably want to stay away from outside noise, papers, social media, etc. The same has got to apply from a referee. And I, 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 I will say John Keenan probably did watch the the, the last Clare Limerick game. He probably did look at Colin Ryan's performance. He probably saw comments from Brian, you know, Brian, uh, Brian Gavin after that. So all feeds into it now. So he's got like, and he'd be nervous too. Do you know that's the thing about it? I know everyone looks at the players, and the best part of a ref is when he when you don't see him at all. Like that's that's you know you've got a good game and he's doing a good job. It's when you see the ref too much that's when things are getting a bit uh, questionable you could say so look I just I would just say good luck to him let it off <laughs> just let it go let, let everything go <laughs> and no red cards please otherwise the podcast will be three hours next week yeah <laughs> we're, we're due by the way to go to either Clare or Limerick ahead of the All-Ireland semi-final weekend depending on I think who wins this final at the weekend so uh, we're trying our best not to get murdered when we go to either Limerick or Clare for the comments that we've made about either team along the way that we can get there safely and not have fans coming up and saying you won't believe what Scaler Murphy said along the way so uh, we're staying safe the McMackie Cup is going to be given out at Temple Stadium the new cup uh, given out for the first time uh, this coming weekend uh, to the winners of the competition so I'm sure maybe that puts a little bit of pressure onto Limerick because they want to win the cup named after one of their legends so really looking forward to that that's four o'clock on Sunday and if you haven't got a ticket already for Temple Stadium you're not going to get one at this stage of the week RT2 are showing the game at four o'clock on Sunday RT2 also showing 7pm the Leinster hurling final between Kilkenny and Galway on Saturday and we talked about how difficult it is to retain in Munster. Well, Skell, you know what? Look at Kilkenny's dominance, right? 18 Leinster hurling titles for Brian Cody if they were yeah. to win this weekend. They're going for their 74th overall. So he's won 17 as a manager. I think it's four as a player. And he took over as manager back in the end of the 1998 into 1999 season. Ridiculous <laughs> dominance. Uh, you guys in Galway had to be brought into the province to try and make it competitive back in 2008. Galway going for their ninth final. Uh, three of them were one of the previous eight. But before that, it was just Leinster year after year. We give out about Dublin football dominance, Gal. Why does nobody seem to give out about Kilkenny's Leinster hurling dominance? And I will give Murphy a chance to respond on this, but why do we seem in Leinster to have just accepted Kilkenny have got a stranglehold over the O'Keefe? Um, I don't think give out about Dublin dominance in Leinster, but like Dublin also, that was coincided with their dominance at national level as well so they were winning Ireland as well and look I know look, I'm not trying to be disrespectful but Kikini are going for three in a row but they haven't you know, won the Ireland you could say so mm. probably it, it doesn't get as much attention that's the size of it you know when they were back in their heyday let's say back in the mid 2000s whatever it was you know and they were winning Leinster's for fun and also winning the Ireland's for fun you know it got a bit of traction but never got as close as, as where Dublin was and I'll tell you a big reason because of that as well is finances that's, that's my opinion because Dublin are seen to be given X amount of millions from the GEA 
it, that can be skewed as an element of favoritism. And I don't think Kilkenny always won. Let's say developed their own and won their own. So I, I'd say that probably plays a part in it too. But uh, that time has come to an end now, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> the gloves. I know. The gloves, the gloves are, are off. The, the gloves are off. Yeah. Nor that Scahill was going to say, but in Kilkenny they don't promote football. And then Paul was going to kick back in and say, "Well, we've got an All Ireland uh, Junior semi final coming up in July, and he's uh, <laughs> back playing on the panel again." Look, it's remarkable dominance, Scahill. You seem bullish, though. That Galway might be able to break this trend at the weekend. Bullish is a good word. Um, am I expecting Galway to win? I uh, truthfully, I am. I'm expecting them to win. Yes, I am. Uh, because, like. Again, I, I, I just the, the Pierce Stadium game was kind of it's, it's hard to explain this right. And if I was to assess the team fifty on fifteen or twenty on twenty, let's say, I just think Galway have a better twenty. That's the size, you know. I, I, I think they've a better balance. I think they've a better defensive unit. And I think they've a better attacking. That's the size, and I, and I just think they're further on. Even though Kilkenny have won two Leinsters, the last two Leinsters, I just think they're further on this year than Kilkenny. So, and like. Kilkenny coming off the back of a questionable performance, you could say. Galway have had a relatively good run, so I think there are reasons to be confident. They have forwards in form. Um, they haven't had any blip as such throughout the year, minus the league, but we know that means nothing. Um, and I, when I add all that up, and I still look at the game, I still think it's, there's only a point to it. You know, like, it's very, it's hard to call from a neutral perspective. I'm saying Galway because, obviously, I'm from the place and I'm trusting that they'll do it, right? But you're looking for fine margins here. Kilkenny always perform. Uh, from, uh, from, and I, I mentioned it numerous times this, on this pod about the work rate they always come with extreme intent they're, all, they're always good in Crow Park they're never hammered in Crow Park you know by us as the lads as I know but so it's it's a tricky one to call but I'm just I'm, just, I'm shading with Galway I am because my heart and my head is both saying that so yeah I've no other reasons I just want Galway to win so much <laughs> that's really it yeah because <laughs> I can't come on this pod next week after Galway getting bit Jeez, that'd be awful. Like, but because uh, I know Murph, I didn't give it to you too hard now, right? After the Pierce Stadium game, right? <laughs> so if you win, all right, I'm looking for you to keep your mouth shut and don't glow too much, okay? All right. <laughs> but can I, just say, can I just say, lads, the seven o'clock time on a Saturday evening, that's not good now. From from a supporting perspective, let's say when we're considering the GA all inclusive, all for one, how do you bring a whole host of kids up to Crow Park at seven o'clock on a Saturday evening? Very hard for me to to kind of see what what the how the positive. The positive outcome of that is, um, I'd say it's probably centered around television and the rights around that and the viewing, etc. So I get that too. But um, Leinster, should, regardless of, I know everyone's looking at the prime time game and they'll say it's clear and Limerick, and I agree with them, but still, there should be a prime time slot as well for, for the Leinster and seven o'clock tonight. Ah, yeah. And look, I think for a lot of Kerry supporters, particularly, and sure, look, I mean, it was brought up on radio programs at the tail end of last week that Kerry are unable because of the expenses to get themselves a hotel in Dublin uh, to prepare for the game, which is at five o'clock. And, for a lot of Kerry supporters who want to go up to that game, even getting out, like, I don't know whether you want to stay and watch Kilkenny and Galway or not. I would suspect a lot of Kerry hurling fans would like to stay around and watch it anyway. <clears throat> but their game's at five. And even trying to get out of the city at, say, half seven, eight o'clock is tricky when you've got a long journey to go back. Similarly, for those who are going back to the, the Glens of Antrim after the game in the Joe McDonough Cup final, these late finishes aren't ideal. At a time, Murph, when good luck trying to get a hotel in Dublin, whatever with the Kerry hurlers, their fans have got no chance if they're thinking of staying late on the Saturday with the expenses at the moment. Yeah, never mind trying to get a hotel. I don't know, would you want to pay for one at, at this stage as well, but some of the prices of them as well. So even if you are lucky enough to get one, you know, it's, it's, it's a pricey evening. And like James is saying there, you know, if you're bringing, which ideally a lot of people would like to do, bring three, four, five, or bring a team of young kids, um, it's, it's a tough turnaround to go up there of an evening if you are staying 
yeah, it is fairly costly as well. So the seven o'clock isn't as accommodating as you know earlier in the day, where people can go up early, get to the match, come home. Everybody's going to bed at a reasonable hour. You're not forced to stay in Dublin, or you're not tempted to stay in Dublin, or whatever it might be. And particularly like you're saying, like obviously Antrim do have a nice spin down. Probably no more than actually probably be shorter journey than the Galway people who are spinning down. Um, but particularly for the Kerry people as well, uh, like that's look that's a we see the Kerry football team flying to Dublin when they come up. So the fact that they'd have to drive up and potentially not stay in Dublin. Or just not go to the game at all is, is a tough um, is a tough decision to make. So yeah, there's a lot of things we could have, the GA probably could have done better here, um, but it certainly doesn't feed into or it doesn't help it at the moment. The price of hotels and different things as well. Like that's obviously a huge consideration for people. I'm after I'm after Google, I'm after type just just for the crack. I'm after typing in one night hotel stay in Dublin six four nine four seven nine. Five nine, ah, oh, sure, she's five nine seven. Like that's a mortgage payment. Do you know what I mean? So how do you expect people to fork out that kind of money? Yeah. Oh jeez. Yeah. No, it is. It's going to make sport inaccessible. I think about yeah. like Dublin is due to host a few uh, major finals next year. We've got the Europa League final on the horizon. There's the uh, two European rugby finals next year in Dublin. If it's the same situation next summer, good luck getting tourists into the city. Yeah, Gen- yeah genuinely like people will not I know it's one off occasions and a lot of Liverpool fans paid quite a bit of money at the weekend to go to Paris particularly but um, yeah I mean it tests it tests your supportership when you might have to spend the best part of a grand to go to a game like yeah. a provincial final or even All-Ireland final isn't worth that kind of money no, unfortunately. No, no, no. Um, no. Murph, on Scal's point though, like when it comes to rivalry, look, he's all G'd up and ready for next week, and it might be you and I just talking on our own. Uh, we get texts from Scal <laughs> saying, "I'm not coming on if Galway were to lose this weekend." But when it comes to the rivalry in Leinster, it has to have enhanced the Leinster championship having Galway coming in because you know you were kind of coming out of the minor into the twenty ones at the time, and Kilkenny were winning year after year after year, and then Galway come in and give it a shot in the arm. And when we talked about the handshake and Cody and Shefflin and the reaction. Part of the reaction that we had, and Taggy Fordy spoke about this on Off the Ball, is that it probably G'd up Cody quite a bit because Shefflin had gone to a rival for the Leinster Championship and going to Galway. But for the neutral, that rivalry has to add a little bit to the Leinster Championship here. Ah, it does, absolutely. And, and introducing Galway into Leinster was an absolutely brilliant call because, you know, if you think about it, we've had savage games with Galway over the last year. Certainly during my career, it was one of the pivotal. Uh, rivalries we had like people would always talk of Kilkenny and Tipperary and different things of like that and maybe in the 90s Kilkenny and Offaly Kilkenny Wexford like they were the rivalries growing up but it really for us Kilkenny and Galway in my career was a huge rivalry because we always met them earlier the year, early in the year in the championship you know it was always in Leinster as a Leinster semi-final or generally Leinster final as well enormous battles so if anything I think the move of Galway into Leinster has actually really generated a huge rivalry here in Kilkenny and Galway like it, which okay may have I'm going to say call it not a traditional rivalry because Kilkenny and Galway not sharing a border and really only down the years meeting in the odd occasion where both teams come through into an All-Ireland final and things certainly would have had good rivalries down the years but it's been great for, for Galway to be in Leinster and it's made it really competitive as well um, like we were talking earlier about the dominance I suppose of Kilkenny but the reason as well I think the dominance hasn't been highlighted as much is because there wasn't a lot in a lot of those games like we were talking about before we came on air about like we played Galway in 2016 and stuff and sometimes in those games it was just maybe Galway didn't come to the pitch of the game or likewise we didn't come to the pitch of the game in other games as well so I don't think like Kilkenny's dominance has been as dominant obviously enough as Dublin in the football in Leinster there's been a bit it's been a little bit closer we've seen Wexford you know come to the pitch of the championship as well and win their own one 2019 Dublin have been really competitive and have threatened a few times as well in terms of beating Kilkenny so 
Um, like it, there, there's been lots of times there where there hasn't been a huge margin in terms of Kilkenny winning, but have still got over the line. So I think that's why it's not as obvious as as um, dominance as the rest. I was actually even surprised a little bit, I suppose, when you said that it was 17, potentially 18 after the weekend, that that was how many. But um, and a lot of those would have been gathered up in the in the noughties, let's say, as well, like, you know. So, Kilkenny's dominance there, yeah, it is a dominance in one way, but it's there's been very fine margins over the years, and I think Galway would have even looked at some of those ones where Kilkenny have won and said, we let one slip there today. So, that's the reason I think it, 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 it's not looked upon as a real savage dominance, but, like, coming into this weekend, it certainly has added to it, of course. Like, again, in one way, you're kind of, you're sick of talking about the whole handshake thing, and maybe people looked into it a bit more, but certainly, if that incident didn't happen anyway, you know, what what that incident probably helped in doing for a lot of neutrals was maybe people were speculating was there a bit of a rivalry there and that flicker of a moment said to people oh maybe there is and maybe there's something else here Brian's a savage competitor so is Henry you know um, we said it before the last game that Henry is only there for Galway at the weekend and more power to him um, and Brian is only there for Kilkenny and I think we saw as well sentiment goes out the window once this game is being played so I think that's what sparked such huge interest and maybe why people wanted to see Kilkenny and Galway that little bit more in the final because we know there's going to be a cut to it in terms of who I think I know you didn't ask me but Scale laid his colours to the mass there. Um, yeah, look, well, Galway, in terms of form at the moment, are coming into this game as the favourites, definitely. And like, you have to look, just look at the how they finished up in terms of the round robin. They, they finished out on top, were far more steadier. Again, they got first blood up in, up in Galway as well, so that there's a lot to be said for that. Kilkenny were flat the last day against Wexford. They'll say that themselves and they'll be disappointed in their own performance. But when I look at this Kilkenny team, like, go back to 2020, that Galway team... Whether well, the favourites going into that final, you had, to. you had to go back there, didn't you? But what I'm saying is, <laughs> Kilkenny found a way, and like for a lot of that game, I was in the stand for that game. <sighs> you know, I was looking at going Galway really in control here. We need to find something, and okay, a lot of people look, and they are right. Richie Hogan going in full forward, getting that goal, and Kilkenny in that game got the momentum when it was important to get it, and just kind of ran away, got a bit of a lead that Galway couldn't get back. Um, so coming into this game, the one thing I'll be saying is there is a rivalry there and lads will be there's Leinster final on the, on, on the table as well or sorry Leinster trophy on the table as well all over the pitch I don't think there's th- those individual battles are, are, as, are as wide as James might be saying there like we still have Adrian Mullen uh, Owen Cody and these lads like savage hurlers and I think what Brian will do this weekend and I hope certainly he does anyway is and the management is nail down a bit more of a steady team Galway have been playing with more of a steady 15 than Kilkenny which doesn't help Kilkenny going match to match maybe making three changes or four changes as we've seen in some games like that's a lot so I think Brian after last weekend will be looking at going we're getting very close coming down to home, to come down to home straight here now we need a bit of stability do you know what maybe Porrick Welch didn't have his, his, his ex, an excellent game up against Dublin he was on the bench the last day but you know what we need Park Welch on the pitch and there's just a lot more clinical calls like that get the best 15 onto the pitch mm-hmm. and I think that will stand for a lot it's a Leinster final I know the lads will be there going this is a match lads I don't care about what's happened over the last while if we go up and put in a savage 70 minutes against Galway here and we go home with a trophy no one will have care what had happened over the last few weeks so that for me is why I'm saying that I think yeah, Galway are favourites coming into it absolutely by form and they're going really well and Henry really hasn't taken over but it's a Leinster final and Kilkenny won't fear Galway. There'll be a bit of a bitter taste after the matchup in Pierce Stadium. And I just think that once the, once the ball is thrown in Saturday evening, like I won't be surprised if Kilkenny come out of this maybe win by three or four. But I'd have to agree 
that they, Galway they're definitely are the favourites coming into this game and that's something Kilkenny have to deal with Murph we'll wait till the club Kilkenny text comes with the team on Friday and you can flick it on to us so we can uh, see it on Friday evening you won't give it to us I will this week, It won't count for anything There'll be three or four changes From it anyway so. Yeah There'll be none of this Skell nonsense From a couple of weeks Into the pod Where Skell was like oh, I have no idea If Conor Whelan's fit or not uh, I have no idea If he's going to play next day. <laughs> Yeah At least I'm honest Yeah I'll tell you what I know Or what I don't know Well Give me your Give me your start In Kilkenny team then Because obviously There's a lot of question marks Over uh, Welsh been left out The last time And is Park Welsh Going to come back in this time Your Cody and the management team Give me your team To face Galway this weekend Oh, sure, obviously, I don't have to say who's in the goal. We'll go straight Easy. to the yeah. full back line. So, like, look, Mikey Butler, Conor Delaney, um, and Tommy Welsh. And for like Conor Delaney, will be it will be very important there. Mark and Conor Whelan. That's that's a huge battle. And like Hughie Lawler is a big loss there. Not to say that Conor Delaney there is, a, but Hughie Lawler has been dominating that position and has been excellent. But look, Conor Delaney will be full back anyway. How long is he out for? Us? Hughie Lawler. Don't know. Well, he, I think he broke a bone in his hand. So I mean, you'd have to imagine that it'd be four weeks anyway, five weeks. Like so, he's a big loss. Big loss. Yeah, yeah. great player. Big loss. I think then you're looking at um, look. You're looking at Mikey Carey. It'll be a trust. I'd say Paddy Deegan and Richie Reid. I think it'll be the half back line. But there's potential there that David Blanchfield, like David Blanchfield, hasn't really got a look in after having a savage league. Like you know, and he could be a, a player that drives Kilkenny going forward like you know really pushes Kilkenny up the pitch and gets those few scores middle of the field then um, I think we're looking at I don't think we'll see Adrian Mullen there I think potentially it'd be Alan Murphy and James Marr I don't think I'm leaving anyone out there I think Alan Murphy and James Marr could be middle of the field wing forwards I think we're looking at Adrian Mullen TJ and Walter Welch sorry actually take back on that Adrian Mullen Porrick Welch Walter Welch Okay. TJ Owen Cody TJ Mossy and Owen Cody I think potentially could be the the, the, the starting team I just think Brian is looking at Mossy Cohen at the moment and a bit of I suppose physicality he brings that full back line Dahi Burke's going to be in there presumably James is he going to be in there is he not going to be in there but, sorry but, Murphy you know, broke up there mate and hear you <laughs> <laughs> but you know that's what I'm saying I know, I know I'm probably being hard on one or two lads there sorry geez actually I'm going to have to take someone out there I left out Keane Kenny Keane Kenny has mm-hmm. been absolutely immense so I'm going to have to take someone out there. Again, someone's going to have to lose out. Who loses out there? Like, it could be a toss-up Mossy Keown and, and Keane Kenny just on... Keane Kenny's been immense there, you know, and he could Mossy just out. Share, so. This is it. But who, Goals. Who, Goals. Who do you take out? You know, potentially, it, it's a hard one call. Walter Welch wasn't down to start the last day, but he provides a, a huge, I suppose, aerial ability there that against Galway, you know, having physical players there, Finton Burke going to be wing-back, you need a big man there, so mm. but you're gonna to have to fit Keen Kenny could be out around midfield again. Like I mean, you know, maybe take out James Marr there. It's it's a hard one to call. Um, I'm actually kicking myself I left out Keen Kenny on the farm he's in, but I think that's what we're looking at. Do you know, I think Park Wills just has to come in there. I said it last week, people are probably sick of hearing me say it. But I think that's generally what the shape of the team is, is, is going to look like. All players we've seen play in the championship, but I just think we're gonna to have to steady it up a small bit now that we're into a Leinster final. Is there yeah. is there any chance you see TJ at eleven, Keane and Mossy for forward then and Park back a wing back? Yeah, you definitely could. They might keep TJ out towards centre forward just from the point of view of um, and maybe put Park wing forward or something. And let's say TJ will be out drifting out around there and maybe drag people out because they look to create that space in around between the half forward line or let's say the Galway half back line, the full back line. Now Galway have been dropping back, which is you know they they they're like Cahill Mannion is sitting back there, they're working the ball out, so they look to try and do that or maybe just look yeah. to draw the half forward line to come out around the sixty five and what Kilkenny didn't do the last day work the ball up to midfield and start getting your half forward line picking up the ball around their own 65 so 
that's what Kilkenny will look to do and maybe draw the full back line out or the, full, the half back line out for Galway a small, small bit so by bringing TJ out centre forward that's something you can do and allows TJ to get on a few more ball as well and then you have the likes of Keen, Keen Kenny inside causing a few problems Mossy inside causing a few problems Own Cody causing do you know so there's a lot of things Kilkenny can do there but Galway are really well set up at the back at the moment so it won't be, won't be simple yeah, had a look through the YouTube comments. Actually, a lot kind of around just what we've been talking about now. Uh, JJ in contact. Hugh Lawler, Kilkenny fullback, out injured the last day. Keep that in mind. Uh, when he returns for either the All-Ireland semi-final <coughs> or for an All-Ireland quarter-final, if he's back by then, Kilkenny would be very strong. Not necessarily champion material for me, but funnier things have happened so far to other counties. As a fair point that like Hugh Lawler's a huge loss. Um, Skell, particularly when he was going to be minding the house against that very dangerous uh, Galway full forward line this weekend. Yeah, and he, like, he's extremely... like. I'm not discounted like Conor Delaney has been good like he's he's been a noble replacement you could say for Hugh but Hugh has been over the last couple of years has kind of been all-star form and he cuts he cuts the cloth like a bit like a Brian Lohan type person that's the kind of fella he reminds me for you know he just brings man ball and all as you could say he brings everything and he's a good hurler like he's a good skill man you know he's, he's a tall fella rangy but he's, he's, a, he's a good hurler like so he's able to mark you know the skillful boys he's able to mark the big boys big dogs for Kinney especially when he's established you know a good relationship with Owen behind him you know, yeah. which is vital, which is vital in a backs unit, like the connection between your goalie and backs from a communication perspective, whether it be verbal or even just body language. You know, and just knowing them, playing with them. So he's he's a big loss uh, that that kind of connection. So, but like you'd be looking at it from a goalie perspective, like who's going to take up Conor Whelan? Like will will it be delaying taking up Conor Whelan? You know, Conor Whelan's the main guy. Like who takes up Conor Cooney? Mm. Do you know that that's 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 the fulcrum. That's the two big guys for for goal. Like if those two guys play well, the two Connors like you go we go a long way to, to kind of. Getting the victory, but similarly, the same can be said for Kinney. If TJ plays well and on Cody, that's a long way for Kinney going to, going, going to win the game. So, again, I know, look, it's not the marquee, the, it's not the marquee game of the weekend, but it's still it's as intriguing as the other one. You know, I know the teams aren't on the same trajectory as Clare and Limerick, I, I can respect that, I, I give that. But, like, you've got two two teams who are hotly contesting the championship and looking for a semi final spot, and that's the main thing from a goal man's perspective. Look, I, I, don't, I don't want to be discounting the Leicester Championship, but our thing is. Get the cup, get to the semi final, get the shortest route to an Ireland final. That's a fact. You know, that's just the way we look at it. Uh, it's nice to win it, lovely to get it. You want to win everything you, you partake in, but semi final, that's what you're after. Yeah, you also get that chance to avoid whoever comes through that Munster final in the semi final, which, mm. whether that be Clare coming through with a shed load of momentum behind them with the championship they've had, or the All Ireland champions, to avoid them in the semi final is a, you know, a very good incentive to try and win the Leinster final this weekend. Uh, Ed Campion, who's a Wexford fan, said much being made of how poor Kilkenny played and losing every physical battle. Very difficult to do anything sophisticated in those conditions. And that's when we were talking last week about how direct Kilkenny were and just the sheer amount of ball that they were dropping into the half forward line that actually saw Wexford come back out but a good point made by Ed that there was so much pressure being put on it makes it very difficult to play a bit shorter uh, Nessa Coyne is a Galway fan says you can never write off Kilkenny by God do we Galway fans know all about it uh, but seriously I don't like Galway coming in with a favourite tag I see this as a 50-50 game and I think a lot of people probably feel the same that's uh, Pat- a mindset thing Will that's a flipping mind. I hate that mindset I couldn't give a shit who's favourites like you know their favourites aren't merit so go with it like do the players or Henry Shefflin care though not a shite to the give do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's like, it, I put it this way, Galway, when they look at Kikini, they see red rag to a bull. They see a team like that has established a rivalry over X amount of years and just want to beat them. Mm-hmm. If it's a challenge game in January and you see that black, black and amber, <laughs> so you want to beat them. Like, and I don't know, is it the same for for, for Kikini towards Galway? Because I know Murph is more towards Cork and Tip. Like, which we'll take that too. You know, <laughs> like, we'll take that too. I never said that, no, never said that. <laughs> But look, I, I I can't stand that kind of attitude. I know it's, not, it's probably just it's a comment. I get that. Like, but 
I think, it's how, I think it's how a lot of fans feel though, Skell. It's one of those things where it's like you almost become pessimistic because of the fact that Kilkenny have won so many championships and they're so good at winning finals. And I even think back a couple of years ago where it looked like Galway were entirely on course and then Kilkenny have that late comeback. That after a while, you just start to feel nervous about the fact that it's Kilkenny. Yeah, I, I, I take your point. I do. There's an element of nervousness. And I myself was a touch nervous when they were going on the last attack the last day in Pierce Stadium. I get that because you see what they did to Cork last year. You see what they did to obviously also Pierce Stadium. But like, if you're going to be successful, if you're trying to be successful and trying to win a championship, you have to put all that kind of sideshow, all that stuff, you know, in, in your rearview mirror. And like, I, I, can, I respect what Kenny have won in the past. They've won a lot more than we have, you know. But I'm dealing in the present, you know, <laughs> the future, and where we're trying to get to. You know what I mean? So like, I'm looking at the team we have at the moment. Like, the team we have at the moment wouldn't beat the Kenny team of 07, 08, You know, they know, I know they wouldn't, but they have enough in the locker to beat the team of 22. So that's all I'm caring about. You know. So yeah. That's all I'd say about now because I get too hot here and I'm more. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Coleman was also in contact on the YouTube last week. There's actually like great interaction and debates going on among uh, people who watched the show. And he said, a limp in Kilkenny, which I think was my words that they limped into the final with two defeats. A dangerous animal. Even if they lose to a very good uh, Henry Shefflin Galway team, Kilkenny will improve with every game coming through the back door. Uh, also wondering as well, was this win over Kilkenny potentially Wexford's All-Ireland for the year? I'm sure the Wexford fans will uh, argue as a complete opposite that they were going out to try and win and it was so important that they won last weekend um, but yeah look I think uh, Kilkenny will improve as the year goes on I think they'll improve once they get Hugh Lawler back into the team um, like look Murph Skell put his colours to the mass very quickly Galway are going to win Galway have been going well in championship maybe the only blot in the copy book entirely going to this final was the way they finished the game down in Wexford Park other than that like they've done pretty much everything right give me the argument Murph for Kilkenny winning then because I'm assuming you're going to say Kilkenny are going to win then. Uh, give it to me yeah. give, give it to uh, me let's go the argument for Kilkenny winning like again I suppose Kilkenny went out very flat last week like there's certainly an element there of Galway coming into this game like Henry will be on to the players saying that that's not the Kilkenny you're going to face you know in a Leinster final but I think Galway will come with the expectation that if they can put pressure on Kilkenny up the field Kilkenny may fling this long ball in but for me, what I'm thinking anyway is certainly the Kenny lads. I know, like you know, they'll be motivated coming into this game thinking that that's not what, that's not the way we played the last day. You know, that's not if if Kenny came out of the Wexford match having won, having played a smart game, having not been kind of flat and you know, I suppose driving all these long balls, we wouldn't be talking about them in the same light. So one match doesn't make a, a bad Kenny team. I just think that they had did. People are underestimating what they kind of do have in their locker there, and they're looking at the last game. Whereas, you know, Kilkenny have been savagely impressive once they got a the bit of traction in games. Okay, the Dublin match, like you know, they 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 had an enormous game in the Dublin match. But again, I suppose Dublin weren't exactly setting the world on fire in that game either. But Kilkenny, when they have shown what they're capable of doing this year, and you know, they were, I suppose, they're trying to find the rhythm here. They're trying to get clicking. Will they click on Saturday night? Is another question. But I just think. If they have the firepower there, certainly they can't like they've shown that they can get goals as well, which is obviously a huge thing against this Galway team. And I do think they have the few lads that come in off the bench as well. Potentially Galway have a bit more of a panel in terms of having a few more seasoned players and different players to call on. But certainly lads Kilkenny have dangerous players that, that can come in and that can make an impact. Kilkenny probably need one or two more things to go right for them, um in that regard. They need, I suppose they do need to start really well and I suppose get rid of any of the ghosts that were there against Wexford that they can show listen we're here to carry the ball up the pitch we're going to play this game completely opposite the way we played it against Wexford that's something they have to stamp in early on because if they go and start flinging balls long and you have Dahi Burke going up and catching them Gerard McInerney and Finton Burke 
you're in trouble then, you know. So for me, look, a lot of this goes, all you have to do is go back a few weeks ago. One point was all that was in it uh, up in Galway. Very little has changed in that time. Kilkenny are coming into this game disappointed off the last game. Um, very little change in personnel there. They even have a few more lads they can call on, like Connor Fogarty, these lads who weren't fit for the last day. He might be another solid hand that Brian calls on from the start of the game on Saturday night, you know, who leads a bit more of a kind of a solid hand at midfield there. So I just think there's lots of things there for Kilkenny that they have the good foundations and maybe it suits them a little bit to come into this game where people are going... Galway are a little bit more impressive. They finished out the round robin a little bit better. And Asher, look, Kilkenny faltered a little bit against, against Wexford. That'll suit Kilkenny. So for me, that's where I'm looking at. It mightn't be a very tactical side of the house. It'll be more, I suppose, motivational and emotional side of the house. And I say, look, Brian will have the boys revved up, particularly after Pierce Stadium. He might put a spin at himself as to what the motivation is. But it'll be interesting. But look, um, I think there's enough there. Uh, but getting over the line will be another thing. Galway, Galway are in a good place at the moment. I feel like I'm on a US news TV broadcast right now. I'm trying to moderate a debate between the Republicans and the Democrats that you guys are entrenched in your own positions, which is perfectly understandable. It also means I'll do two things on Saturday night coming out of Crow Park. One, I'm going to tape the match so that I can go back and watch the TV coverage to see how many times the handshake is referenced or shown in a half an hour or 35 minutes before the game starts. I'm going to put a counter on about 10 before the game actually starts. It's going to come up so many times. And the other thing I'm going to do, I'm going to mute our WhatsApp group come about 9 o'clock uh, so that on the way home, I don't have to see you two fighting about uh, how the game is finished or what's happened. We can save all that for Monday, save all the good content. Uh, Robert Maw was in contact as well on the comments last week. Surely OTB can get the boys some AirPods. By all means, I don't know if you two guys are using uh, Apple devices, but some wireless headphones, I'm sure we wouldn't say no if that campaign keeps going. Yeah, yeah, I'm all for it. Yeah, any free gear, basically. This is, you know, I'm all about free gear. So, yeah, I'm all yeah, for it. That's why he went back playing football. He on the expenses. <laughs> free dinner, one free dinner every week. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a peasant here with earphones I got about 10 years ago. So, yeah, I'll take them if they Robert, can be given. Keep the campaign going, my friend, and we'll see if we can get some wireless <laughs> headphones uh, for later on in the season. And then the one I want you to address, Gal. Did you see this one from, I'm not sure if it's Kay Lynchy, as in it might be someone beginning with a Kay Lynchy or Kalinchy, whichever way they want to um, pronounce their own name here. Yeah. A very simple comment, which could go on to mean tweets for the season on the hurling pod. So much like love up towards the top of the comments and then right towards the bottom. Skehel is a melter. <laughs> so, uh, fair play to her. Fair play to her, yeah. Can I ask I a question? I, I, can you actually find out where the person's from? <laughs> I bet you they're from, they're not from Leinster. I bet you they're from Cork. No, I, yep. I I made good on my Tony Kelly thing last week, so yeah, not you're not clear. You're in the clear good books. Now, James, Dennis, yeah. what I will say is I don't think there was a profile photo with her, so you have to be very careful this day and age with GA catfish. Now that that mightn't be a real person, <laughs> so that could be me I, for all you know. Yeah, I have I have a great story that led onto that catfish too about a Galway player that I cannot say in this podcast just yet. <laughs> I have to the get approval. The floor is open. Uh, I'm clearing more space in the podcast. Where is this going? But I might just say that, that, that our friend Nicky as well was rock, knocking around Galway too, I think. So. Oh, my. There's lads, in, uh, there's lads in News Talk office now flicking through GDPR rates and stuff. Trying to find out. out yeah, yeah. Hot schedule, I would say, here now. Um, yeah, Kaylin, she, I, is it a she, is it? I'm not sure. I mean, it I could be know. either. I mean, it's gender neutral here. And yeah, uh, yeah we've just got a green K, uh, which I'm going to show up in this. I spot. reckon that person's definitely from Cork. Or, no, it's Cork. Or Galway, one of the two. <laughs> so, <laughs> so one of the What's a melter, lads? What is that? You, you, yeah, you. 
Shut up, Julia. <laughs> I, I presume melter is short for head melter. Again, I'm not head entirely melter. up on the yeah. nomenclature. Well, sure, listen to me. You only have to go down the stairs into the kitchen there and that's the wife would say the same thing about me, right? So I, I take no offence. And it's not the worst thing I've ever been called at a pitch, off pitch either. My own club mate, I have to name and shame this lad, right? We played a game. Charlotte's Manion played a game, right? I didn't give him a puck out and he roared back to me, right? Mm-hmm. Something like, hit me the ball, you big fat ogre, right? <laughs> And everyone around the ground started laughing. And I was going, that actually kind of cut me a bit deep. You know what I mean? You're all clubmates. Like, I was like, you little prick. You know? So I, ne- I never let, let him live that down. So that's the worst I've been called. Yeah. But Melter, fuck that. That's child's play. I think I've got Johnny Smack's number somewhere in my phone from something before. So maybe we can get a crossover between the two Johnny's podcast and <laughs> the hurling pod if you do have a story to add as well, Scale. Like, all these people are hidden behind pseudonyms, so you're fine. I think you're yeah. all right if you say that, you know, footballer Paul was in Galway at some point. Hmm. Have a think about it. Don't don't get the yeah. pod in trouble. So you're drawing me out now. You're drawing oh. me out, and like, Jesus, I I, I, I can't say it. You, you get a solicitor's letter, Scale. I'm telling you, you're made for it. Probably the first night there. Right. One last comment before we go, because uh, it's football training on. There's kids to be minded and whatever else. Deck Hardy was in contact, Murph. These two lads would love to see Colin Bonner stay on, as they know he's going nowhere. You guys said last week, give Bonner time. Was this yeah. because it was a Galway man and a Kilkenny man saying, Tipperary, enjoy the rest of your summer off because you've been knocked out and the footballers are gone now? Or did you genuinely feel Colin Bonner should be given a second year? I, look, I'd be all for, let's say, all things being equal, I'd be for managers getting a bit of time. Like, I mean, I think everybody agrees that this Tipperary team, you know, they're a young team. And a lot of people, the narrative is that, you know, maybe some of these players have been, should have been blooded a few years ago, you know, and now they're getting blooded. So, like, Colin Bonner has taken over from, you know, a really influential manager in, in, in Tipperary, Liam Sheedy, like, you know, a player, a manager who, you know, will always be well regarded in, in Tipperary and around the country. Not easy shoes to fill, you know, um, but he's had one year where he's had a good crack at the whip and in fairness, like, you know, the Limerick match was showed what he could potentially do and given a bit more time, put a bit more shape on the team. So for me, anyway, there's only so much one manager can do in one year um, and if you look back to last year, like we said, Brian Lowen last year, there were some people calling for Brian Lowen to be gotten rid of. You know, this week, there's not many people asking for Brian Lowen to, to leave the job. Okay, he had his supporters and so on, but after the loss against Antrim and different things, you know, there's lots of people he had as doubters, whereas at the moment, now he had a few more players to inject into that team, where Tipperary at the moment will potentially look at a few retirements um, in the winter. Who's to know? So, but my thing is, look, managers have a tough enough job as it is. They deserve a bit of time, and at the end of their time, okay, have your say in terms of how do you think they did the job. But it's not—it's definitely not coming from a point of view of you know Kilkenny lad wanted to see Tipperary out of the championship early. No, like I mean, in fairness to Colin Bonner, like I mean that'd be very personal if I was looking at it that way. So no, I'm all for managers. Look, give him a bit of time, give him I suppose time to either prove himself one way or another. And look, fair play to him—he's after taking on a job there, not easy. And like the worst thing you do is just get rid of him and go on to another manager, and you're looking to get rid of another manager next year. Like you're you're just coming around in full circle. So that that was my thinking behind it anyway. Mm. Keep your comments coming in, by the way. We're on Instagram now. Uh, you'll see Hurling Pod. We're on Twitter as at Hurling Pod, and you can also, of course, comment on the YouTube, which will go up at 10 p.m. every Tuesday. And uh, leave his comments either in the live chat, where generally the debates going on, or in the comments underneath if you want to leave any comments for next week. Murph, I want to ask you about the Joe McDonough Cup final. You know, we talk about the difficulty people get into it, but five o'clock start. Crow Park on Saturday, RT2 television coverage this year. Um, Antrim looking to go straight back up after the relegation with the Lee McCarthy. This could be two and three seasons potentially. While, you know, Kerry have had the disappointment of two defeats in a row in this final. 
Who do you fancy for Kerry against Antrim on Saturday night? Um, yeah, look, I probably have to fancy Antrim in this just because obviously last time these two teams played, um, Antrim probably didn't have their full 15 on the team being honest I mean even Stephen Malumphy said that after the game that potentially Antrim looked, they didn't have their strongest team out wasn't a whole lot in the game now in fairness at one stage you know in that game Kerry did have um, I think it was a 7 point lead at one stage and had a few big performances Patrick Boyle coming away with 15 points as well so they have the hurlers there absolutely no doubt but I think look again Antrim are a really good team and they've had their big victories no more than we mentioned about Clare as well up in Clare um, or sorry up in Antrim as well they've had big victories and they've been tested in the I suppose the heat of battle against the really big teams over the last while so I just think they have a little bit more firepower again like Neil McManus is still going strong got a, got a goal in the game last day as well against Kerry um, so for, for me anyway Antrim just are in a little bit of a stronger position at the moment they have the few more players to call on as well so um, like even Conan Boyle chipped in with a goal there the last day as well so they just have a little bit more in it in fairness like Kerry I suppose not that they were lucky to come out with a victory the last day but you know Antrim rallied late and in fairness to Kerry they held out and they got their point in the end just to I suppose push out the margin that small bit but for me Antrim just coming into the final just have a little bit more but again I suppose we're still talking about the unfortunate situation that Kerry are in regardless you know so um, maybe for all their endeavours you know we talked about it last week about coming back into Munster Antrim have had the benefit of hurling um, in, in Leinster over the last few years like you know hurling against a lot of the teams in Leinster so like for them, um, uh, sorry, in the league and so on. So for them, like they've had a few more hard matches than Kerry, and it would do Kerry a lot of good uh, in the Joe McDonough to be playing against a few more better teams to bring them again up to the level. So for me, the difference is there. Antrim have, have played against really good teams in the league over the last few years that they are now tried and tested, and they've had really good games. So I think Antrim just have a little bit more firepower against um, against Kerry coming into this final. Yeah, I read it again. If Kerry win the final, Munster Council put out the hand of friendship and say, no need for a playoff. You don't have to play Tipperary. Come play in the 16 Munster Championship next year. And let the relegation be from Leinster and Munster next season. Let us have a playoff at the bottom of it if required uh, to see who gets replaced by the Joe McDonough winners. I think it's just in the fairness of hurling, it's the best thing to do. Scal, do you have a, a strong feeling on who's going to win this game? I don't know how much you can really read into that last game in the, the round robin, given that like, Antrim obviously were already qualified and mm. Kerry pulled it out of the fire on the last day. They needed a result against Offaly in Tullamore, had to beat Antrim themselves. They duly delivered. I don't know what the team's maybe been slightly different for this weekend. If you can read Anton into it but who do you fancy carry around yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm going more for this one because I'm, no I have to say that they put up 29 points in them when they hit them last like, so it's not that's no mean feat to score that against Antrim but like it's all the same reasons I'd only be kind of regurgitating what Paul said and repeating it I agree with everything he said like if I was to make a you know a, a call you'd have to say Antrim are winners and by a few points um, and I just wanted to pick up on your point you said about Kerry if they win they should be in Munster I I, I still think they should be in Munster regardless. I still think that the, that even if they don't win, and even if they, let's say, theoretically lose by seven or eight points and it looks like a bit of a clipping, still put them into Munster. You know, still give them the opportunity to compete that, in, in that province, like, which is their own province. Like, this is the gas thing about it. Like, it's their own province. You know, it's like, let them into it and see what happens. You know, and then, then review it again, let's say, in future. But... Regardless of what happens the weekend, big game for them both. I know they can only play us in front of them for the prizes in front of them, but next year, Kerry should be a monster. Antrim Hurlers, you've done something I cannot do in this podcast. You have made Murphy and Skehill agree on something. The fact that you guys are going to win the final on Saturday evening. So looking forward to that. I mean, we've got three finals to look forward to. Five o'clock on Saturday, Kerry and Antrim, Joe McDonough Cup final. 
After that, 7 o'clock start, it is the Leinster hurling final between Galway and Kilkenny. And then we're back for 4 o'clock on Sunday for that hugely exciting Munster final between Clare and Limerick. All three are going to be good games. We'll be back to look at them next week. Uh, get your comments into us, uh, particularly on the YouTube, is the handiest way really to do so. That streams uh, 10 p.m. on Tuesday. Leave us a, a like, uh, perhaps tell your friends about it if you're uh, listening. Best way to get the pod, 7 o'clock every Monday. It's going to be up on the Hurling Pod feed on the OTB app and on the website and wherever you get your podcast from. It'll follow on the OTB GA channel a few hours after that and then you get the video version on Tuesday. That is episode 15 in the pocket. Murphy and Skell, thanks a million as always. Don't fall out this weekend, lads. Definitely. <laughs> 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 right. The fallout, the fallout. Thanks a million, lads. <laughs>